One of my favorite Christmas movies to watch at this time of year is the movie Elf, starring Will Ferrell. There we go, a picture of, of uh, Will Ferrell. Um, in the movie, uh, if you've seen the movie, Will Ferrell plays Buddy the Elf, who is a human, but who was raised by elves in the North Pole and thinks that he is a Christmas elf. Um, but he finds out that he actually is a human, and he's actually a, a, a person, a man, not an elf, and he decides that he's going to go look for his actual father who lives in New York City. And so Buddy travels down to New York, and he experiences a lot of uh, really hilarious kind of things as he's navigating life in New York City. Um, and there's one moment where he uh, finds himself at a department store, uh, Gimbel's, and he meets this girl named Jovi, who works as a Christmas elf at the department store. Now, Jovi is not exactly that enthusiastic about her job as a Christmas elf. And uh, so Buddy, who's filled with Christmas excitement, is kind of trying to engage with her. And, and at one point, um, he, he tells her, uh-oh, sounds like someone needs to sing a Christmas carol. And Jovi's response is, go away. Um, and so Buddy, though, not deterred by this response, uh, recites a rhyme that he learned in elf school while he was in the North Pole. And he says, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. How many of you have heard that, that line before? Maybe if you saw the movie. The, the interesting thing about this line is that it's actually kind of taken on a life of its own. You can buy t-shirts um, or Christmas cards um, with this slogan emblazoned upon it. This year, you can even get a mask with that phrase on it. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. There's something about singing at Christmas time, isn't there? There is something about cheer that, that is, is, is brought into our lives as we sing um, these songs, some of the, the songs that we've known for, for many, many years. Um, there's something about the songs of the season. The songs of the season. That's the, 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 the um, sermon series we're going to be going through during this season of Advent. Um, and before we kind of get into what all that's all about, uh, you know, we often hear the songs of the season played on radio constantly during this time. Basically, once Thanksgiving hits, right, there's certain stations that that's all you hear on, on the station. We hear it on commercials on TV. You hear it if you're going shopping. Some of us play it nonstop in our homes kind of all month long. Um, to give you an idea of how familiar we are with these songs, I'm going to say a line from a Christmas song and I want you to finish it, okay? So this is a little participatory part of our sermon today, okay? So, so, so just call it out, all right? Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. Very good, very good. Um, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, yes. Um, a beautiful sight. We're happy tonight. Walking in a winter wonderland. There you go. Um, but we also know, I think, beyond just kind of the secular Christmas songs that we hear, the, uh, the, the Christmas carols that we sing that are so deep and rich that we're going to be singing over the next few Sundays too, right? We know these songs of the season too. So again, um, finish these, 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 these carols. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. That's right. Joy to the world. 
the Lord is come. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. That's right, that's right. Now, let's see if you can finish this song of the season. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has... Anyone? Anyone? The answer is lifted up the humble. Not, not as familiar, maybe. Okay, okay. How about this one? He has filled the hungry with good things, but has... Anyone? Anyone? Sent the rich away empty. Mm. Not exactly the catchiest lyrics, are they? <laughs> but this, these lyrics that I just quoted are from a song of the season. It's a song that Mary sang. Mary, the mother of Jesus, it's in Scripture. It's a song that Mary sang when her cousin Elizabeth went to her, when she went to her cousin Elizabeth's, and Elizabeth greeted her by saying, you are blessed, for you are the mother of, of, of the Son of God, and, and you believe what God has said. And Mary's response is to sing this song, but it's a song that maybe we wouldn't necessarily always associate with, with cheerful festiveness in some ways. This, this, these next few weeks during the season of Advent and Christmas, what we're going to be looking at is the songs of the season that we see in Scripture. There are songs that the different characters in the Christmas story sing around the birth of Jesus. And so today we're going to be, begin with Mary's song. The song that Mary sings in Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 46 through 55, when Mary arrives at her cousin Elizabeth's house. And uh, this song is sometimes known as the Magnificat, because it is a song that in Latin it begins with that word, Magnificat, um, as Mary glorifies, magnifies the Lord. So hear, hear this song of the season this morning uh, from Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Let's pray. Lord, give us ears to hear this song of the season, a song that Mary herself sang as she was carrying Jesus, and that you would sing the song into our hearts as well today. So give us ears to hear Holy Spirit, speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. In this song, uh, Mary speaks about reversals, different reversals that happen 
Um, and so we're going to kind of focus um, our, our thoughts today around this idea of God's reversals. And the first thing we're going to start with is looking at God's reversals in Mary's song. What are some areas in, in this song that Mary sings where we see God doing these kind of reversals? Well, the first um, reversal that we actually see is in Mary's own life. Mary speaks about this reversal that has happened to her. Uh, she begins her song by praising God. She says that her soul glorifies or magnifies the Lord and that her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. And, and why is she praising God? Well, in verse 48, she says, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Mary here is talking about herself. She identifies herself as, as a servant. She talks about herself as having a hum, being of a humble state. And we see this from the biblical account that, that Mary was someone from a lower class in society. She wasn't wealthy. She didn't come from a powerful family. She was just a common, ordinary girl. But Mary says that, that God has been mindful of her. That God has, the, the literal meaning of, of that verb there is that God has fixed his eyes upon her. That he has seen her and, and looked at her with favor. And then verse 49 expands on this when Mary says, The mighty one has done great things for me. So Mary contrasts her humble, low position with the position of God, the mighty one, but says that this God has done great things for her. What are the great things that Mary's talking about here? Well, it's everything that's just happened to her. I mean, an angel appeared to her, told her that she's going to have a child, even though she was a virgin, tells her that, that this, this child that she's going to be carrying is none other than the son of the Most High, that he is, he's going to reign on his, his father David's throne. This poor Israelite girl was going to be the mother of the Savior of the world. Talk about a reversal, right? Mary, who wasn't particularly, anything particularly special, was exalted to this place where she says in verse 48, from now on all generations will call me blessed. And here we are 2,000 years later and we're talking about her, right? We're talking about this, this girl, Mary, who was nobody at the time, but God had exalted her. This reversal that happened in Mary's own life. But then Mary goes on to sing about some other reversals, reversals in the world. So what are these reversals that, that Mary talks about here? Well, they, these are the ones that I quoted at the beginning of my sermon that, that, again, are part of the lyrics of the song of the season that we're not maybe as familiar with. But Mary sings in the song about God lowering certain people and raising up certain others. So on the lowering side, she says, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. And she says, he has brought down rulers from their thrones. And then that he has sent the rich away empty. The proud, rulers, the rich, these are the kinds of people that most of us aspire to be. We want to be powerful, we want to be wealthy, we want to have success, right? But Mary here says that, that God has brought all of these people down. He has scattered them and, and, and 
brought them down and sent them away empty. And then on the flip side, Mary says that he has lifted up the humble and he has filled the hungry with good things. The humble and the hungry are not exactly things that we aspire to be. I don't want to be hungry in my life necessarily, but Mary says that, that, that God has lifted them up and he's filled them with good things. Now, in her song, Mary uses this, this phrasing, the, the, the verbs that she, that she uses here, as we see, you know, she says, he has filled the hungry, right? And, and the verb tense that she's using there is one that can be referring to something that happened in the past, like a past tense, but it's actually a tense in Greek that can also refer to something that hasn't happened yet, but is so certain that, that it's talked about as if it has already happened, as if it's been fulfilled. And so as Mary is singing the, this song, and she's talking about God lowering the proud and the rulers and the rich and raising up the humble and the hungry, she could be talking about how God has done this in the past, and we see that actually throughout the Old Testament, moments where God did that. He scattered rulers, and he lowered people of, of pride and power and lifted up the humble. We see that in the history of Israel. But as Mary is singing this song, what's the whole point of this, this song that she's singing? It's giving glory to God for what God has just done for her in giving her this child. And so Mary, as she's singing these, this, this song of praise, she's also saying that, that God, you are going to be doing this act of reversals in the future as well. And it's going to happen actually through this child that I'm carrying. And the reason that we can know that, that, that this is part of what Mary's talking about is because as you look at some of the prophecies in the Old Testament that speak about the Messiah, the Messiah who is to come, this is often what the prophets spoke about. That when the Messiah came, that there's going to be this reversal. There will be this lowering and this raising. We saw this actually in the scripture reading that Rochelle read earlier from Isaiah 40. Where, where we read that when the Lord comes, says every valley shall be raised up and every hill, mountain and hill made low. Now Isaiah here isn't talking primarily about physical valleys and mountains uh, literally being changed, but he's using this figurative language to speak about that when the Lord comes, things are leveled. The high are brought down and the low are brought up and there is this leveling that happens when the Lord comes. There's a Philadelphia-based artist named Ben Wildflower who created this woodcut um, on here that is inspired by Mary's Magnificat, Mary's uh, song. Now this is not our typical image of Mary, the mother of Jesus, is it? But here we see these quotes from her song, cast down the mighty, send the rich away on the outside, and then fill the hungry and lift the lowly on the inner circle. My guess is that for some of us here, that feels a little uncomfortable, doesn't it? To see Mary that way or to, to, to hear these, these words that are in her song, this, this idea of, of, of lowering the rich and the powerful and raising up the poor and the weak, doesn't that sound a lot like socialism? Is, is Mary talking about class warfare here? Is that what's going on? Well, there were some people in Israel at the time who actually were hoping for something like that. They were hoping that, that when the Messiah came, that, that he would do this, this leveling and 
Because the people of Israel, they were under the control of the Roman Empire at the time. And you see here that the extent of the Roman Empire, that, that Israel is just a tiny little part of that, that huge empire. And, and Rome was the definition of pride and power and wealth at the time. They conquered everything and, and they were the ones that were ruling over Israel. And so there were many people in Israel who were waiting and hoping for a political Messiah to come who would overthrow the Romans and who would reestablish Israel as a world power. And there were actually even groups in Israel at the time, like, like the Zealots, who advocated violent rebellion against Rome because they wanted power back, they wanted wealth, they wanted to, to lower the Romans and raise themselves up. And, and so they would hear a language like this and say, yeah, we want that. We want it to happen through force. But Mary's song is not about humans trying to force this reversal. In Mary's song, she says that it's God who is doing this. God is acting in these ways. This, this leveling, reversing action of God. And it seems to be tied, again, in her song to this baby that she's carrying. And so when Mary says in verses 54 to 55, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, she is proclaiming that through this miraculous child in her womb, God is fulfilling all the promises he made to Israel. That he's coming to the aid of his people, and that the way that he is helping them, part of what he is doing as he comes to help Israel, is that he is going to cause these reversals to happen. He's going to lower the rich, and he's going to raise up the poor. He's going to lower the proud and raise up the humble. And when you look at the ministry of Jesus, you actually see this thing happening in his ministry all over the place. Who does Jesus have challenging words for? It's the spiritual proud rulers in Israel. He, he, he speaks against the, the religious establishment and he challenges them, bringing them low. And, and who does he raise up in his ministry? He raises up the lepers that we saw last week that Brandon preached about. And tax collectors and those rejected as sinners. Those are the people that Jesus raises up as he touches the leper. He feeds the hungry, both physically and spiritually. And when, when a rich young ruler comes to Jesus, and Jesus, what is, he, his, what is his response to this young man? He, he calls him to give up his wealth. And the man walks away from Jesus because he can't. He's clinging to his wealth, and what happens? He's walking away spiritually empty. Just like Mary sang, he has sent the rich away empty. Jesus often said, the first will be last, and the last will be first. Now Jesus, he didn't come to overthrow the Roman Empire. That wasn't the kind of reversal he was about. He wasn't this political messiah, but he came in his ministry. It was characterized by these reversals. Now, you may be wondering, 
what does all this have to do with us here in Brooklyn in 2020? Right, all this, this singing that Mary did and this talk of reversals. What, what does this have to do with us today? Well, I want to look now at God's reversals in our lives. As we hear these reversals in Mary's song, how do these reversals maybe speak into our lives today? I have a question for you. When you hear Mary's song, where do you see yourself in it? Do you identify with the hungry and humble? Do you see yourself as someone who is low and in need and therefore grateful for the message of God's reversal that he's going to lift you up? Or do you identify with the rich and the proud? Do you actually maybe hear Mary's song as a threat to your well-earned comfort and wealth and power? Now, my guess is that for most of us, we kind of know that the right answer is to say we identify with the hungry and humble, right? Because then that means we get lifted up. And maybe for some of you who are here today, that is exactly how you're feeling. Maybe you are feeling just beat down and you're feeling humble and you're feeling hungry. You're feeling in need in different ways. Maybe you're struggling to make ends meet. Maybe you lost your job in the midst of this pandemic or your, your hours have been cut way back. Or maybe you're, you're feeling lonely. Maybe you feel maybe like a failure, like, like a nobody. You, you're, you've been humbled in some way in your life. And if that's where you are today, if, if you feel like the hungry and the humble, I want you to hear this good news that, that Jesus came for you. He came for people who are hungry and humble. But I think for a lot of us who are here today, if we're really honest, we might be able to say that we actually do kind of relate to the rich and the proud in our lives in certain ways. We may not want to admit that. I mean, for most of us, I don't think, we don't, we don't really want to think of ourselves as, as being rich. But if you think about the 7.8 billion people on this planet, pretty much almost everyone who lives here in the United States are going to be on the rich and powerful side in our world. Um, there's a, a, a report done in 2018 by Credit Suisse that, that says that, that if you think about all of your assets, you know, your housing, possessions you own, what you have in your checking or savings account, um, and, and you minus your debts, if that all levels out to about $4,200, then you are richer than half of the people on this planet. And if all of that adds up to $93,000, then you are in the top 10% of the world. We, most of us who are, who are here today, we, we live our lives in relative comfort. We, we have enough food to eat. We have homes to live in. There's many people in this world who don't have that. We live in a city that has incredible resources, incredible opportunities. Most of us have more possessions than we really need. So we are, most of us, we're, we are the rich in, 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 our, in our world. 
And, and regardless of, of how you might answer those questions, the, the reality is that we can all, I think, identify with the fact that sometimes we have an attitude of pride. In fact, sometimes even the things that we own and the things that we, the things we've accomplished in our lives lead us to this feeling of, of pride and, and where we might kind of look down on people who don't have as much. We think, you know, I've worked for what I have. Some of these other people, they're, they're lazy. We judge them as, as unmotivated. And what is that? It's pride. The, the word that's translated there, proud, in our text, it just means that, that you see yourself as above someone else. And we all do that in one way or another. I mean, even if you are poor and powerless, you can still be proud by thinking, I'm better than all those selfish rich people, right? Liberals look down on conservatives. Conservatives look down on liberals. Moderate centrists look down on both liberals and conservatives, right? I mean, we're all guilty of pride, thinking that we're right and that we're better than others. One of the great Christmas stories that we often hear around this time of year is Charles Dickens' classic, A Christmas Carol. Um, and in that story, the character Ebenezer Scrooge kind of captures this mindset that, that we've been talking about. Scrooge is wealthy. He is proud. He looks down on the poor. We see that at the beginning of, of that story. He is exactly the kind of person that Mary says is going to be scattered and brought down and sent away empty. And what happens in the story of A Christmas Carol? Scrooge is visited by these three spirits, and that's exactly what he experiences. He gets brought down. He gets kind of scattered. And as he begins to see how other people really see him, as he sees his future as someone who's going to die alone with nobody missing him. And Scrooge, at the end of, of this visit by these three spirits, he is humbled. He is broken. He suddenly sees where his life has been leading him. And that could be the end of the story for Scrooge. But it's not. Because the humbling of Scrooge is intended to lift him up. It's intended to transform him to a place. And that is the same thing that God wants to do in his work of reversals in our lives. You see, God humbles the rich and the proud not to condemn them and destroy them. No, he humbles them so that he can lift them up in his mercy. How does God do that work of reversals in our lives? Well, the first act of what he does is that God speaks his law to lower us. God's perfect law confronts us with our pride and our selfishness and our sin. And, and just like Ebenezer Scrooge coming face to face with, with his, who he really was and his attitude and seeing it clearly, that is what God's law does to us. It reveals our brokenness, it reveals our sin, and it scatters us, and it brings us down, and it would send us away empty if that was all that there was. That's what we deserve. 
But God doesn't give us what we deserve. He shows us mercy. And so God speaks the second word. God speaks his gospel to lift us up. Once we are humbled and and face to face with where our pride and our sin deserves, God comes to us and tells us he's not going to give us what we deserve. He's not going to scatter us and send us away empty. No, he is going to fill us with good things. He's going to lift us up. He's going to show us mercy. Verse 50 of our text says, His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. What does it mean to fear God? It means to acknowledge that he's the one that's in control, that he could destroy us or save us. It's not in our hands. It's in his It means admitting that we deserve death, that we we don't deserve his mercy. So it means giving up control and, and not trying to save ourselves, but just saying, God, have mercy on me. And in that moment, as we call out for mercy, God promises to be merciful. He lifts us up. And he fills us with good things. How in the world does this God do that? How can this God be merciful to prideful, sinful, selfish people like us? It's because of God's reversal in Jesus. See, Mary is singing this song about all these reversals that God has done and will do because of Jesus because of the child that she's carrying, because in Jesus we see the greatest reversal in the universe as the Holy One, the mighty God, came down and humbled himself and became low for us. As he was humbled himself to being this tiny little embryo growing in Mary's womb and then was born to a poor Israelite couple and placed in a feeding trough as a bed. But God's lowering didn't end there. It went all the way to lowering himself as he died a criminal's death on a Roman cross. And as he died in humiliation on the cross, the righteous, perfect son of the Most High took all of our sinful, dirty, prideful sin into himself, and he received judgment in our place. Talk about a reversal. The Holy One becoming sin. But then it didn't stop there. Then he who was lowered was exalted as he was raised to new life on the third day as he ascended into heaven as he sits now in the place of power and authority and rules as King and Lord forever. And one day he will come to establish his kingdom in its fullness. And because Jesus lowered himself and then was exalted, he can do the same thing for you and me. He can lower us as we are face to face with our sin, as we're convicted. We can, he can bring us low, but then we can know because he went through the cross and he paid for all of that sin for us, he will raise us up with him to new life. Because Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I want to sing. 
I want to sing a song of the season like Mary's song that praises this God who is a God of reversals, who is willing to lower us so that we can then be lifted up, so that we can be brought to a place of humility to receive his mercy and forgiveness and grace. And we are going to sing a song of response in just a minute. But I want to close by just reading the beginning of Mary's song one more time. And as I read it, I want you to think of this as not just Mary's song, but it's Andy's song. And it's your song. So hear these words. Make this your song and your prayer in response to what this God has done for us. And Mary said, and Andy said, and you said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me and you blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for you and for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that often our hearts are proud We want to exalt ourselves. We don't want to be lowered. We want to think that we deserve our place. But Lord, you want to lower us for our good. To show us that that we are proud. You want to bring us down, Lord, so that you can lift us up. So that you can tell us that our value and our worth doesn't come from what we have achieved. It doesn't come from our wealth. It doesn't come from our success. It comes from what you have done for us through Jesus' death and resurrection. So lower us, Lord, to confess our sin. And as we are in that place where we can't raise ourselves up, we thank you that you are the God of reversals that you are the God who lifts up the humble and the hungry, that you have come to us in our sin and our pride and our brokenness, and you have raised us with Christ, not because of anything we have done, but because of what Christ has done for us. Work that work in our hearts deeply, Lord, so that we can sing a song of praise to you for what you have done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.